campers and welcome back to another episode of half bloods and happy meals i hope you guys are doing good and uh, just before we get into the chapters i wanted to give you some updates uh, the podcast is up on a lot of platforms and by the time this episode comes out it'll be out everywhere you listen to podcasts so i'll just let you know some of the places you can listen you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Castbox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. It's not up on Google Podcast yet, but by the time that this episode releases, it should be up there. Um, so you can listen everywhere you listen to podcasts, and uh, if you enjoy this episode of Half Bloods and Happy Meals, don't forget to leave a rating and review. Um, yeah, preferably on Apple Podcasts if you can, or anywhere else is fine too. Uh, so, let's get going for today's discussion of The Lightning Thief, chapters 5 and 6. So, let us begin today's episode with chapter 5, I play Pinocchio with the horse. Oh, yeah, Pinocchio. Pinocchio, isn't that a card game? That's all I know about Pinocchio. Okay, before we get into the chapter, I'm I was just going to introduce a new segment. Um, I'm going to read out the notes that I write for these chapters, the quick notes that I refer to as I'm recording. So let's read them out. First, weird dreams. Hmm. Blonde-haired girl feeding Percy something. Nothing should look beautiful. Chocolate chip cookies in a drink. Summer camp. Mr. D. Chiron equals Mr. Brunner. Pinnacle, a card game. Annabeth is here, yay. You drool when you sleep. Percy is special? Hmm. Grover eats a can and Percy doesn't react at all. God, hint hint. Diana's his pronunciation. Gods can't fade, world building. Chiron is a centaur. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the chapter. So we start off with Percy having weird dreams full of barnyard animals. Most of them want to kill him, but some want food, like Grover. Yeah, Percy's having weird dreams. Something's definitely wrong here. Please, someone get Percy some help. And we see him getting help. He's being spoon-fed something that tastes like buttered popcorn, only it was pudding. So it was, it's, it's like oatmeal, but it tastes like popcorn. That sounds weird. That sounds really weird. And he sees a blonde-haired girl feeding him this, and she's asking him weird questions. She's like, what What will happen at the summer solstice? Percy's like, what? What are you talking about? Um, he's like, what's stolen? What's happening? We only have a few weeks. Percy's like, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. Please just keep feeding me this buttered popcorn. <laughs> Uh, so, I guess it's all very secretive, because when someone knocks on the door, she's she just stuffs popcorn, buttered popcorn in his mouth, and um, she stops asking him questions. So, I guess she's not supposed to be asking him questions. Hmm. What is going on? What is going on? Thankfully, in this chapter, we get a lot of answers, too. Moving on, I think we uh, uh, we go to Percy waking up. Um, Grover wakes him up, 
and uh, the poor guy still thinks it's all a dream he's like no this can't be real see Grover's wearing jeans and shoes he's a normal guy with the limp uh, but then Grover hands him the Minotaur horn and he realizes that everything was real his mom is gone his world is filled with monsters whenever I see all the PGO fans right they always uh, they're always saying, I want to be a part of Camp Half-Blood. I want to be a demigod. I want to have cool powers. But the one thing is, you have cool powers, of course, but you lose a lot of stuff, too. You lose your life. You lose your... You know, I mean, if you're a 12-year-old kid and you see your mom die, it's just heartbreaking, you know? you'll It'll be too much for a 12-year-old. I mean, could you withstand that? Could you, um, could you take all of that pressure? Could you take all of the all of the work that it takes to be a demigod? And yes, we do find out that Percy is a demigod, but mm, we don't know who his father or mother or anyone is. I mean, his mo his mother. Sorry, oh my God, his mother is Sally. We don't know who his father is. His father is a god, but who is it? I guess we'll find out. That is a big secret of this book, up till now. Um, yeah, the Grover arrives and he feeds him something in a glass, a tall glass. And it's it tastes like chocolate chip cookies, his mom's chocolate chip cookies, the blue ones that she makes for him. And I don't know what I feel about that. Chocolate chip cookies in a glass. I mean, if it tastes good, I'll, I'll go for it. <laughs> I love chocolate chip cookies, so yay. Uh, yeah, and then we we see Percy realizing everything. He realizes that his mom's probably dead. Uh, he realizes that his world is full of monsters, and he's in a strange camp with his half-goat and half-man friend. So, he looks around and he's like, no, this camp shouldn't be as beautiful as it is. Everything should be dark. His mom is gone. And, yeah... Rick, you really know how to pull out the heartstrings. You really do. I felt so hard for Percy here. It is so it is so heartbreaking to see him in this kind of a situation. And all he cares about is his mom. Uh, because he sees Grover and he sees the Minotaur horn. He's like, okay, I don't, I don't care if there's monsters in the world. I just want my mom to be okay. And that is so sweet. Percy is the sweetest sweetest person ever uh, so I guess uh, yeah Grover introduces him to Mr. D now we meet Mr. D Dionysus Dionysus yeah Dionysus how do you pronounce that name if, if somebody knows how to pronounce it properly just let me know but I guess pronunciation can vary so da I'm gonna say Dionysus Dionysus there it, it's it's D-I-O-N-Y-S-U-S. So it's Dionysus, right? Yeah, that's correct. That is correct. They they go play a pinnacle with Dionysus and uh, Chiron. Oh, yeah, while they go there, um, Percy describes... Percy is the narrator, describes Long Island. Uh, he describes it as um, a valley marched all the way up to Long Island Sound which glittered about a mile in the distance. Between here and there, I simply couldn't process everything I was seeing. 
The landscape was dotted with buildings that looked like ancient Greek architecture, an open-air pavilion, an amphitheater, a circular arena, except that they all looked brand new, the white marble columns sparkling in the sun. Wow, it sounds like a serene place. It sounds like an amazing place to go to. A big summer camp, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, canoes were gliding across the lake. Uh, kids were cha kids in bright bright orange t-shirts were chasing each other around. There was archery. There's horse riding. Some of the horses had wings. Oh my God, winged horses. Okay. And then he sees. Uh, the blonde-haired girl that fed him the pudding that tasted like popcorn, she's leaning against a railing uh, next to Mr. D and Chiron. Yeah, uh, he describes Mr. D. Let's see how he describes him. The man facing me was small but porky. He had a red nose, big watery eyes, and curly hair so black it was almost purple. He looked like those paintings of baby angels. What do you call them? Hubbubs? No, cherubs. That's it. He looked like a cherub who had turned middle-aged in a trailer park. He wore a tiger-patterned Hawaiian shirt, and he would have fitted right in at one of Gabe's poker parties. Except I got the feeling this guy could have outgambled even my stepfather. And that's, that's true, I guess. Uh, we find out that Mr. D, Dionysus, is the god of wine and parties, so if you put him in a poker party, he could, he could easily win. But but it's weird since he he loses this hand of Pinnacle to Chiron, so Chiron is like t obviously the better player. Mr. D is losing his touch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we find out that Mr. Brunner is actually not Mr. Brunner; it's Chiron, uh, the centaur. Yeah, at the end of this chapter, we find out he's a centaur. Uh, right now, he's in his wheelchair, but he's like, okay, I'm Chiron. I'm not. I'm not Mr. Brunner. That was just an alias. Yeah, then Mr. Bonner calls to Annabeth, and uh, he's like, yeah, Annabeth will be putting him in cabin at 11 for now. And he, uh, Percy describes Annabeth, so let's see how he describes her. She was probably my age, maybe a couple of centimeters taller, and a whole lot more athletic looking. With her deep tan and her curly blonde hair, she was almost exactly what I thought a stereotypical California girl would look like except her eyes ruined the image. They were a startling gray, like storm clouds. Pretty, but intimidating too. As if she were analyzing the best way to take me down in a fight. Hmm. So who might be, who might um, Annabeth be the daughter of? Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, she, uh, then she looks at Percy and Percy's like, oh my God, she's gonna compliment me or something. She sees the minotaur horn and she's like, hmm. Wow, you're so awesome, you took down a minotaur, but she's like, you drool when you sleep. <laughs> I love Annabeth already. I love her already. Uh, so, uh, Chiron, Chiron says that he came to Yancey, um, he came to Yancey to instruct him, and uh, he says that mostly satyrs look after half-bloods, but uh, Grover sensed something in Percy and he called Chiron over because he thought Percy was important so hmm, Percy is special in some way what is it what is it we still have a lot of questions that we don't have answered so we don't know who we don't know who Percy's dad is yet we don't know why Percy's special uh, yeah there's a lot of questions we don't know what what happened at the summer solstice 
They don't know what's stolen. According to Annabeth, something's stolen. So what is that? Hmm. We'll find out in the next chapters, I guess. Yeah, so uh, they, they play a hand of Pinnacle. The next thing I noticed was Grover, Grover ate a can of Diet Coke. And Percy, and Percy didn't react at all. I mean, satyrs can satyrs eat anything? Is it, is it specified that satyrs can eat like anything in sight? I mean, I know he's Grover is definitely not human. He's he's like a monster, right? A satyr is a monster, not to be derogatory, but uh, that is the term. But um, th can they eat anything? Because it's just like thrown on you. It's like, um, Mr. D, Grover asked timidly, if you're not going to eat it, could I have your Diet Coke can? Grover bit a huge shard out of the empty aluminum can and chewed it mournfully. Uh, it's just thrown on you. It's like, uh, you don't even get a, you don't even get an introduction. Like, oh my god, why is Grover eating a can? Can satyrs eat cans? Hmm. Uh, the first time I read it, I found it weird that he was eating a can. Uh, Chiron, Chiron's like, did your... Did your mother not tell you anything? And Percy explains that his mom wanted to keep him close uh, near her. Uh, Mr. D is like, yeah, that's that's how they die. <coughs> Mr. D, Mr. D is irritating, but he's better than Gabe at least. Gabe was the worst. Uh, yeah, and after that, I think Chiron describes the gods not capital G God gods in plural so this is the this is the one thing I like about um, uh, the Percy Jackson books unlike another book series Rick actually actually specifies that there is a capital G God and that they won't delve into the metaphysical so he doesn't discredit anyone's beliefs so there could be a capital G God, but we're only talking about gods in plural. I don't like that about another book series. Cough, cough, hint, hint. <laughs> okay, okay, let's move on. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about it too much because that is not the book series we're discussing here. It is Percy Jackson. So, uh, so Percy's like, no, gods aren't real. They're myths, right? So to like. Um, to explain off like lightning and the storms and uh, uh, the seasons and stuff they're not real uh, and he's like no it's uh, they're what people believed before they were science and Mr. D's like science and he's like tell me Perseus Jackson Perseus Jackson so I think this is the first time we uh, uh, hear Perseus real name like full name Perseus Jackson Perseus so Perseus was uh, a son of Zeus, if I remember correctly. I think so. Mr. D is like, what will people think of your science 2,000 years from now? Hmm? They will call it primitive mumbo-jumbo, that's what. Oh, I love mortals. They have absolutely no sense of perspective. They think they've come so far. And have they, Chiron? Look at this boy and tell me. And Mr. D calls him a mortal, so... Uh, Percy suspects something. He's like, oh my god, he must not be mortal if he calls me a mortal like that. Uh, Chiron's like, just imagine Percy, never dying, never fading, existing for all eternity. 
and and Percy thinks like okay that might not be so bad but then but then he's like you mean whether people believed in you or not so I guess the gods can exist even if people don't believe in them and that is so weird it's like how is that possible it's even if nobody believes in them the gods can still exist so they just exist forever for all eternity that must be that is so mind-bending that is so mind-bending oh my god so uh, yeah we see something here mr d tries to spawn in spawn in oh my god he um he waved his hand and a goblet appeared on the table as if sunlight had bent momentarily and woven the air into the glass the goblet filled itself with red wine so uh, and then chiron's like no mr d your restrictions and then he turns it into diet coke so i guess he can't use his powers because he chased a wood nymph who'd been declared off limits that is cruel zeus that is cruel okay so percy realizes that mr d is a god and he's he's skeptical at first but then he looks into mr d's eyes and he sees a fire there like, which is not normal <laughs> he sees screaming uh, he sees screaming sailors, their hands turning to flippers, their faces elongating into dolphin snouts. And he knew that if he pushed Mr. D, he would show him worse things. And I guess Mr. D is the, um, the god of madness, I think. So he can cause madness in anyone. So I guess if he can cause madness, he can cure madness, and he can implant madness into people's minds. So, Percy, you got to be careful. Um, and Mr. D's like, okay, uh, you go to cabin 11, and Grover, you got to come with me to talk about your less than satis less than perfect performance on this assignment. And Grover seems really scared of Mr. D, and. From what I know about mythology, I think satyrs are are under Dionysus. I'm not sure if in mythology, but in these books, that's not a really a spoiler. Satyrs are like the servants of Dionysus, I guess. They do his bidding, so I guess that's why he's scared. And of course, he is a god, so he could just like smite him and he'll die. So uh, that's one thing. And Chiron gives a lot of exposition about the gods, them moving to the heart of the West. Um, and the heart of the West is described as a collective consciousness that has burned bright for thousands of years. The gods are part of it. And they are so tightly wound to the Western civilization, they could not fade until all of the, all of the West is obliterated. So that's a lot. So uh, he describes like the Roman versions of the gods, like Jupiter for Zeus, Venus for Aphrodite, and so on. Same forces, same gods. So, hmm. uh, that must be important, since he mentioned it. So the gods were first in Rome, so they were the Roman forms, but they moved to the west because the light moved to the west. The power moved to the west. Uh, they, they came back to their Greek selves. And then we get the reveal that Chiron is a centaur. He lifts up from his wheelchair. And the wheelchair wasn't a chair. It was some kind of container, an enormous box on wheels. And it must have been magic because there's no way it could have held all of him. A leg came out long and knobby-kneed. 
with a huge polished hoof. Then another front leg, then hindquarters, and then the box was empty. Nothing but a metal shell with a couple of fake human legs attached. Wow. Those are some convincing legs if Percy could look at them and go, okay, that's his human legs. <laughs> and then the chapter ends. Um, Karen's like, let's meet the other campers. So uh, this chapter has like a really anticlimactic ending. Even though we find out Chiron is a centaur, that's a big reveal. Uh, but I guess uh, some of you might have guessed it from uh, a couple of chapters ago when we saw his shadow. When Percy saw his shadow at Yancey. You might have guessed it then. Okay, so uh, this chapter is good. I love this chapter because what it does is it answers most of the questions that we have about what's happening. So I think uh, the chapters are leading up to this one. It's a release chapter. From now on, we'll get all of our questions answered, most of them anyway. We still don't know who Percy's dad is, and we still don't know why he is important, but it will come, I guess, when, we, when it'll come. Um, and there's a lot of world building in this chapter. We get introduced to a lot of new characters, Annabeth, uh, Mr. D. Uh, Chiron is basically a new character now because, but but his uh, attitude and um, uh, personality is the same. So that's it. Basically, half of a new character because he's he has a new physical form now. So um, yeah, I think that's it for this chapter. There's not m there's not much um, else to discuss, I guess. So let's move on to chapter six. So let's move on to chapter six. I become supreme lord of the bathroom. Hmm. Interesting chapter title. Let's see what happens in this chapter. So before we get to the chapter, of course, let's go through my notes. Percy is hilarious. Something in the attic. Not a single living thing. They sell strawberries? What kind of expenses does camp have? I feel bad for Grover. Percy is still oblivious. Why is Chiron so mysterious? Cabins. Luke is here. Annabeth has a crush? Claiming is a joke. That clears it up. Mrs. Dodds is a fury. Parents, dyslexia, Clarice. Initiation ceremony. Percy bends some water. On that note, let's get started with the chapter. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I guess in the last chapter we were revealed to that, I mean, it was revealed to us that Chiron is a centaur. So in, in this chapter, I guess Chiron is giving him the tour of camp. He's answering a lot of questions, and I like that about this chapter because we get a lot of questions answered here, and that is my favorite thing just finding out about the world and the world building and everything's coming together finally um so yeah a and and percy is hilarious I i'll i'll read the exact same thing he says so he says once i got over the fact that my latin teacher was a horse we had a nice tour though i was careful not to walk behind him i'd done pooper scooper patrol on the macy's thanksgiving day parade a few times and I'm sorry, I did not trust Chiron's back end the way I trusted his front. <laughs> oh my god. That is the funniest thing I've read in a while. And I've read these books for a long time, so 
it is still funny. Percy's sense of humor is unmatched, outmatched, outmatched, no, unmatched. Uh, so they, um, we see more of camp. We see uh, a lot of satyrs that look older than Grover, and a lot of campers playing volleyball and um, practicing and sword fighting and archery, uh, doing archery and stuff. Uh, and Percy sees something in a far in the farmhouse that uh, he was just at. Uh, he sees something in the attic, something moving. Oh, creepy! Uh, he asks Chiron. He's like, "Hmm." somebody lives there uh, so Chiron's like no not a single living thing and I mean I think if you uh, if you've read the books before you know what's there I'm not gonna spoil it obviously but um, yeah Chiron's telling the truth here that's that's all I'm gonna say he's telling the truth there's not a single living thing there uh, so yeah and then um Chiron explains to Percy like how they take care of the expenses at camp uh they sell strawberries so um in this chapter we learn that this is a greek camp with gods and demigods so i was just wondering how do they how do they take care of expenses like what are they buying? What are they selling? And uh, I mean, this of course is selling strawberries. What are they buying? Um, hmm, it, it, it's interesting because um, they sell strawberries, they get mortal money, but of course they have to trade with drachmas. So, what are they buying? I guess the the armor and the. Um, wh what else would they be buying? Like nectar. Can you buy nectar and ambrosia? Hmm. It's very interesting. Um, and, and then I, I like how Percy is still worried about Grover. He's like, he won't get in trouble, will he? And kind of was like, uh, he might get in trouble because he didn't do that well on the quest. And I honestly feel bad for Grover because he did his best. But to be fair, Grover is not the best protector. He's he's not the best protector, you know. Um, and you see that uh, right now. Uh, Chiron explains it. He's like, um, to be fair, Percy, you dragged him over the property line, and he was unconscious while you did that. So uh, I guess a protector is supposed to protect, right? I mean. Protector's not supposed to be uh, unconscious. Well, his the person he's protecting is protecting him. It's a lot of protecting. Uh, okay, y you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> and there's a council of cloven elders that will decide his fate. Uh, Percy's like, no, can he get a second chance? And Caron's like, yeah, that was his second chance. Uh, he failed the first time. And Percy's like, yeah. What happened the first time? And Chiron just ignores him. He's like, no, I'm not going to answer that because probably something traumatizing. Percy's still oblivious. He is because uh, Chiron says something to the fact that um, yeah, the, the camp has like uh, shields and swords for sword fighting. And Percy's like, why would a regular summer camp need all of that stuff? And I, dude, you've seen a minotaur. You've seen a satyr. Shields and swords should be the most normal thing 
to you right now that is obliviousness obliviousness is equals Percy how 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 is he so oblivious okay and and Percy is oblivious and Chiron is mysterious why is Chiron so mysterious why doesn't he just give him straight answers I mean instead okay it's fine if you uh, don't want to tell Percy but just tell him yes or no you can just give a straightforward answer, then you will stop asking questions. Um, and Percy's like, yeah. So, uh, if if all this is real, if all the Greek myths, everything's real, so there's definitely underworld, right? And Caron's like, yeah, there is. Uh, but he's like, no, put that out of your mind now. Don't talk about it until we know more. So what does that mean? Until we know more mysteriousness insane Chiron please please stop being so mysterious <laughs> um, yeah so we're introduced to the cabins uh, Percy describes them uh, there were 12 of them there were 12 of them nestled in the woods by the lake they were arranged in a U with two at the base and five in a row on either side and they were without doubt the most bizarre collection of buildings I'd ever seen except for the fact that each had a large brass number above the door odds on the left evens on the right they looked absolutely nothing alike and then he goes on describing all of the cabins one had tiny smokestacks one had vines on the door one was made of solid gold uh, there was one uh, which was like a, the biggest and bulkiest of the twelve its polished bronze doors shimmered like a holograph so that from different angles lightning bolts seemed to cross across them yeah we know whose cabin that is uh one more cabin had slimmer columns with pomegranates and flowers the walls were carved with images of peacocks and Percy's like yeah zeus and hera so he basically he knows the basics um and their cabins are empty so some cabins are empty some are full uh, we don't know the reason yet uh, but Chiron's like, yeah, no one ever stays in one or two. And uh, Percy doesn't ask any questions. So I guess he's asking a lot of questions, but I guess it's fine. If not, uh, he's, he's not like Harry. Harry, Harry is, he, he doesn't ask questions at all. At least Percy asks questions. Uh, that's what I like about Percy. Okay, we're introduced to Annabeth again. She She's here again. Oh yeah, before that, I think Chiron... I think we see that uh, Chiron is really the Chiron, the one that trained Hercules. And it's interesting that uh, Rick chose to keep it Hercules instead of Her Heracles. Heracles is the Greek, the Greek way to say it, right? The Greeks used to say Heracles and the Romans used to say Hercules. But hmm, I guess Hercules, I think more people know it by Hercules. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go with um that instead of heracles it, that makes sense it makes sense and chiron is basically three thousand years old and uh, uh the gods gave him a wish that he would he would keep teaching uh new demigods and new half-bloods so hmm. and uh percy's like doesn't it get boring three thousand years i mean that's a long time to s teach people and chiron's like no it's horribly depressing at times, but never boring. That's weird. Depressing. Hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, and yeah, now we go to Annabeth. 
Chiron has to go to archery class, though Annabeth takes takes over the tour. Uh, she arrives. Uh, she she drops Percy off at cabin eleven. Uh, this is described as a Hermes cabin, and Percy Percy looks inside, and it's the most normal of the cabins. There, it's like packed with people. There's not enough place for him. There's only like a little bit of space. And inside the cabin, we see another person who introduces him. It's Luke. Um, he's the son of Hermes. He was about 19 and he looked pretty cool. He was tall and muscular with short cropped sandy hair and a friendly smile. He wore an orange tank top, cutoffs, sandals and a leather necklace with five different colored clay beads. The only thing unsettling about his appearance was a thick white scar that ran from just ran from just beneath his right eye to his jaw like an old knife slash. Ooh. Luke looks pretty cool. Hmm, he does. And Annabeth obviously has a crush on him. She's blushing. Ooh, Annabeth, what is going on here? So uh, Luke explains to Percy that he is undetermined. So that basically means that his god, he doesn't know his godly parents. And they put whoever is undetermined in the Hermes cabin. Because obviously Hermes is the god of travelers. And uh, he accepts anyone from anywhere makes a lot of sense uh, he looked he looked around the cabin and he looked at his spot he's like okay I I might keep my minotaur horn down there but then he remembers that Hermes is the god of thieves which is yeah I, I wouldn't I would I would hold on to that horn if I was you Percy I wouldn't trust the Hermes kids with it a and I think uh, we become the claiming here the claiming is basically being claimed by your god uh, godly parent and Percy's like, when will that happen? When will I get claimed? And everyone in the Hermes cabin is like, so they just start laughing. And it's, it's, it's crazy because uh, it shows that not many people in the Hermes cabin are claimed yet. So maybe uh, the majority of people in the Hermes cabin aren't claimed. So they aren't even Hermes's kids. They're just staying there because their godly parent didn't claim them. And that is... That is some intense shit right there, man. Like godly parents, just come on, claim them already. The, the claiming is a joke here. Claiming is a joke. It's like, when will I get claimed? It's like never, never. You'll never get claimed. And so Annabeth's like, oh my god, don't do that, Percy. Do you have a little bit of sense? And I'm like, Annabeth, the guy just came here. Let him relax, please. Let him get his groove on, and he'll get everything, okay? Please. And then she explains about monsters not dying. So monsters basically don't die. Their essence just comes back. I think the exact word she says is, monsters don't die, Percy. They can be killed, but they don't die. And yeah. Thanks for clearing it up, Annabeth. That, that was great. That was great. And she gives the example of Mr... I was going to say Mr. Dodds again. I think we should rename this podcast to Manome and the pronouncing of words gone very wrong. I think Mr. Dodds should be the Mr. Dodds should be a merch item, I think. If 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 we go with enough episodes, uh, Mr. Dodds should be Mr. Dodds should be merch. Yeah, I'm going to think about that. <laughs>
Mr. Dodds. Oh my God. Okay, let's get over that. Uh, and she's like, Mrs. Dodds. So Percy's like, yeah, Mrs. Dodds. If, if if I killed one, they'll just keep forming again. They'll keep coming back fr from Tartarus, from the pit uh, in the underworld. Uh, yeah, Annabeth's like, yep. Uh, so we basically find out that Mrs. Dodds is a fury. Oh, and we learn more about the claiming. And I find this weird. Annabeth says parents or one parent. So basically, can it be... You can't be a demigod if you're if both of your um, parents are gods, right? You'll be a god, won't you? Uh, if you're... Yeah, a demigod is basically half god, half mortal. So... You can't be a demigod if your parents, if you both of your parents are gods, right? So why does she say parents here? I'm not sure. Oh yeah, and they mention, uh, and Annabeth mentions that she knows a lot about Percy, even though she's never met him. She knows that he has ADHD, dyslexia, he's been kicked out of uh, multiple schools. Uh, yeah, she knows a lot about him. Uh, so... I just wanted to clear something up. I think in the first episode I said that the description of ADHD wasn't on point. What I meant was the description of dyslexia. Uh, I was trying to describe dyslexia, the words flying off the pages. Uh, a helpful listener, um, she mentioned it to me, I think on Instagram. I'm not sure of the name, I don't remember. And I'm not sure if they want to be called out, so I'm going to keep them an, uh, their name anonymous. But thank you for letting me... Uh, Thank you for telling me that. Um, that was helpful. I, I, I totally blanked on his dyslexia. I, I, was, I just mentioned his ADHD. And it's like, ADHD is attention deficit disorder. Dyslexia is different. So, yeah, okay. Anyway, let's move on. So, Annabeth knows a lot about Percy. That's for sure. And we meet Clarice. Uh, Clarice is a child of Ares. The god of war. And she's definitely warlike. She's prone to anger um, and she has an initiation ceremony for Percy what might that be uh, she she dunks his head she she dunks his head or she tries to dunk his head in the toilet and Percy bends some water so Percy is a water bender oh my god avatar that's literally the only thing I know about av avatar there's water benders. There, uh, people can bend the elements. That's all I know. So, I mean, if let me get, let me know if you if you guys love that TV show, and uh, if you hate the movie because I do too. Even if I don't know much about the TV show, the movie is really bad, really really bad. The acting in the oh my god. Okay, let's get over Avatar. This is not an Avatar podcast. This is a Percy Jackson podcast. Okay. <laughs> And Percy bends water, and uh, if by now, if you don't know who Percy's godly parent is, it, it's really obvious, really, really obvious, but I'm not going to give it away still, because the big reveal is coming, so let's wait for that. And, yeah, and so nobody's spared uh, by his water-bending abilities. Everyone gets soaked, Cleese, uh, all the Ares campers, and Annabeth as well. She's just standing there, like, shocked he's like how the hell did you do that you little 12 year old kid who just came to camp with the minotaur horn how did you do that and Annabeth's like yeah 
I want you on my team for capture the flag. Wise decision, Annabeth. Wise decision. Okay, so the chapter ends there. And I think this is um this is one of my favorite chapters. Up till now. This is this is a great chapter because um of all the things that happen in this chapter, all the reveals that we get, um, all the questions that are answered. And I know I've been saying that for a long time. Chapter 5 gave us a lot of questions uh, answered as well. But here we get a lot more setup and we get a lot more uh, a lot more questions are introduced and a lot more questions are answered as well. So that's that's a good thing. Um, and yeah, we we get introduced to more characters. We get um, introduced to the world a little bit more. More world building is always good in my books. So, uh, yeah, so that's it for chapter six. And that is it for uh, today's episode of Half Bloods and Happy Meals. I hope you guys like this episode and I hope you guys like my thoughts. Um, if you did, just let me know in the reviews. And don't forget, my podcast is everywhere you listen to podcasts. So you can review uh, a review and rate anywhere. You can find it. Um, let me just pull it up. I think you can find my podcast on... It's here. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Breaker. It's on CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. So that's the main platforms and it will be up um everywhere by now by this episode yeah so it's up everywhere so um don't forget to rate and review and it it really helps because it gets the podcast up there um and this episode is uh being recorded uh three weeks before it drops so yeah um I'm preparing to record a lot of episodes in between because I have a lot of work to do in between and I I, I will not have time to record. So I want to keep bringing out content uh, for you guys. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of Half Buds and Happy Meals. We'll see you in the next one, campers. Till then, peace. This episode was edited and produced by yours truly. If you want to reach the show, you can email me at halfbloodsandhappymeals at gmail.com. Half Bloods and Happy Meals is available wherever you get your podcasts. The major platforms are Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast, and I'll see you on the flip side. Thank you.